Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Well, welcome. So if you haven't been here, or those of you online that may have not been included for the last couple of weeks, we're going through a series in the book of Matthew entitled The Good Life. Eric has asked me to teach on Matthew 6, 19 through 34, and I've titled my talk, The Good Life and Money. For those of you who may not know, my name is Osman, and I volunteer with the youth group here at North Cincy, and my group that I, I am gladly, I'm proud of uh, leading are the 7th and 8th grade boys. And so tonight we will be covering, uh, I'll have a few questions that I'll be outlining my talk through. And those questions are, what is your life goal? Where is your loyalty? And then, and who do you trust for your future? Um, I will read the script, the passage, and then we will pray, and then I'll start. Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy and your, bo- your, your, bo- your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you put in it. For if, if not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither soil nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of, of his, or to add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today, it's its own trouble. Dearly, Father, Lord, um, in the midst of just worry and anxiety that all of us face from school, from work, from our current election, Lord, I just pray in the midst of that, that you would give us peace and understanding. Um, Lord, would you, give, would you guide us to seek what is the true treasure in life and, what, what, and to show us the provisions that you've given us in the past, the provisions you're giving us today, and the provisions you promise for the future. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would speak directly to them through your word and through my words. 
tonight. And Lord, would you help them to see in their own hearts the things that sway them that are not based on your truths. And Lord, I pray that tonight, as they fo- as we focus on these three questions, that they would look inward and seek to, on how they would answer them. And then ultimately, that they would come to know the truth of what the gospel says to these three questions. Lord, we place all of this first for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. Amen. So what does it mean to store up treasures on earth? It doesn't mean that money, or it doesn't mean that money is inherently evil. Proverbs 6, 8 says, she, she prepares her bread in summer and carries food in, in, for, in the harvest. And 1 Timothy 6, 18, it commands us that we should do good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and, to, and ready to share. So Jesus' command here is about the accumulation of mass amounts of treasure as a life goal. So for tonight, my first question is, what is your life goal? Everything from your relationships to your financial decisions will be determined by your ultimate goal. Jesus is reminding his followers that they can only have one ultimate goal, and it should not be to acquire treasures on earth. So imagine you're walking into an Apple store, and your purpose for walking into this Apple store is to buy a brand new MacBook Pro. And when you walk up into the Genius Bar and tell them that you would like to purchase one, and the time comes where you have to exchange money in order to get it, imagine instead of handing them U.S. currency, instead I handed them Monopoly money and expected that to be a fair trade for this good. Would this money get me anything at an Apple store? No. They would laugh at me if I try to pay for anything in their store with Monopoly money. Imagine trying to use Monopoly money to buy, say, a Chipotle meal. Would I be able to? No. Or a new video game, or I'm assuming a new dress for those of us that may like dresses. Um, in, uh, it seems absurd to think that anyone would try to use fake money to buy real things, but that's often what we're doing without realizing our money here on earth has no eternal value, but we try to buy eternal things. Matthew 16 makes it clear in reminding us that do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth that where moth and rust destroy and where thieves come in and steal. We cannot expect material goods on earth to buy us anything in, in eternity, even on earth, even on earth, the value we assign to material possessions lose their value over time. And so here's a couple of examples of that. This person who clearly loved Elvis decided to decorate their whole bathroom head to toe, including the lid with pictures of Elvis. And then this other person decided they really wanted a statue of a frog being ridden, or a turtle riding a frog like a horse. This person decided, I want a bar stool that looks like a cowboy, boots and all. This other person loved this little statue of a turtle with its cowboy hats and buck teeth. And this person was kind enough to leave us a note that says, you will die if you take anything from this drawer. And this other person took the time and effort to collect all the seashells to make what I think is the creepiest crab I've ever seen. (laughs) But these people thought fondly about these things 
and I'm assuming hope that these would become family heirlooms that they would pass on. We th I think they're creepy, weird, and some of them terrifying. Even the things that we think will never be broken or stolen over time. Try to imagine the things you love dearly today. So like the brand new iPhone 12 Pro, for those of you that live in the light, and for those of you that live in the dark, the Galaxy S10. Um, there's also the brand new Xbox, or for others, there's also the brand new PlayStation. In 50 to 60 years, these things will have no value and they will be useless. But yet today, we put heavy value on them. So what does it mean then to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? It means using everything we have for the glory of God, and it means holding loose when it comes to material things of life. It means that it means measuring life by the true riches of the kingdom and not the false riches of the world. It's about answering the question: What is your life goal? Is your ultimate goal to stack or to rack up riches, or is it using every gift? talent and resource and experience you have for glorifying God. In the last Harry Potter book by J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, Matthew 26, 20, or Matthew 6, 21 is written word for word as an inscription on someone's tomb. The headmaster of Hogwarts, Albus Dumbledore, had these words written on the tomb of his mother and sister. While the connection to the Bible is never made, the, the, the story perfectly illustrates the point of the verse. Dumbledore's greed for the most powerful earthly treasure, the Deathly Hollow, ultimately led to his sister's death. His ultimate possession or goal was the possession of power, and where his treasure was, there his heart was also. His love for his sister was overtaken by the, his pursuit for his treasure. We are in danger of doing the same thing unless we focus our, our pursuit on the treasures of heaven. So my second question for tonight is, where is your loyalty? So this is reflecting back on verses 22 through 24. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. If, if the light is in you is darkness, how great is this darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This passage starts with a couple of verses that seem a little out of place from the rest of the context, but they're actually making the same point. A person cannot be divided. In verse 22 and 23, Jesus points out a person with, who is, who is double-minded and lacking and uh, dividing his loyalties between God and money will have no clear vision and lack direction in, in their life. You cannot have unhealthy eyes but have a healthy body. Metaphorically, the body represents the whole person and the lack of light, which is the darkness that that bad eye with divided loyalties and selfish attitude provide. So then, what are loyalties? And a helpful way to think about this um, is citizenship. As most of you know, I immigrated here from Somalia. I did not have the honor of having to say the oath to become a United States citizen, but my dad did. 
And so he had to say, state make the statement when he became a full-fledged citizen. I hear thy be declare a oath that I absolutely and eternally renounce and abjugate all alliance and fidelity to any foreign prince, state, or sovereignty of which, of whom or which I have therefore been subject or citizens or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and alliance to, to that same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law, and I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law, that I will perform work for national uh, importance under the citizen's direct and under civilian direction when required by law, and that I take this oath freely and without any mental reservations or purpose of evasion, so help me God. This is tricky for, for Christians um, our, because our ultimate loyalty is to God. Um, we have all kinds of loyalties on earth. We have loyalties to our countries. We have loyalties to our family. And then sometimes we have loyalties to restaurants and stores, which reward us for going there more frequently. These are a couple of places that I enjoy. Chick-fil-A gives me a red secret reward the more times I go there for my loyalty. Starbucks gives me Starbucks uh, star rewards more times I go there. Chipotle used to give a reward system, but they don't anymore, which is really sad. Um, verse 23 makes it clear that no one, no one can serve two masters. If you've ever worked a part-time job at two different places, you've learned the difficulties of navigating that, that you have one boss at one, one job and then you have another boss at another job. But in this metaphor, Jesus is telling us that one master will have ultimate loyalty because both will require total devotions from you. Both money and Jesus want every part of your heart and your mind. And you cannot give them both everything. <laughs> Author and speaker Maddie Moon described her own struggles with this concept uh, in the context of her eating disorder. When I was obsessing over every cal calorie that entered my body, I was serving a master other than Christ. When I was serving the master of society, I was following the rules that society put into my brain, telling me that I had to look a certain way to receive love or that I had to eat a certain way to feel loved or to feel included. Even if we have a healthier relationship with money and financial decisions, the, this verse has wide aspect, uh, applications. And the question that it points to is, who are you serving? Sometimes we think that these, this passage about money or our relationship to money doesn't apply to us because we don't have a lot of money right now. But understanding a biblical attitude about money is very important to learn right now before you have it. We need to fight this temptation towards materialism, the priority of material things above God, regardless of how much money we have. So the principle of materialism is an inalienable conflict with the kingship of God. So jumping to the last section of this verse, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what your 
nor about your body, what you put on it. It's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour of his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and, and how they grow. Um, lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not as arrayed. Ar- 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 Never got that word correctly. Like one of these, but if God, if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today are alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, um, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentile seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, or need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for today, it's its own trouble. So, so far, we've we've asked the question, what is your life goal? And the second question of where is your loyalty? And now the final and third question, who do you trust for your future? This last section in Matthew 6 addresses those who put their trust in money or possessions instead of God's provision. Verse 31 points to some of these questions that we seek money to answer and not God. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? When we are, when we are overcome with anxiety about the future and how we're going to pay for it, this section reminds us that God will provide. Sometimes our families are worrying about money and how uh, with, about money, and, and we feel worried about how things will work out. Some of us are about to go to college and worried about how we're going to pay for it. And some of us are uh, even big events like prom and finding the money to afford it can uh, can cause a lot of anxieties for some of you. But how does Jesus teach us about God's provision? He uses the most fundamental and basic. Of learning or means of learning about God, his creation. Jesus points out that birds do not stow away in barns in verse 26, and flowers do not labor or spin in verse 28, but God provides for them. These created things are involved in his provision, not by worrying or depending or on themselves, but by being what they were created to be. Birds bring worms to their babies and flowers. They um, a blossom in beautiful colors because that's what flowers do. Humans were created to worship God and work or to bring his flourishing of his creation. And God doesn't just create flowers uh, just to create them and to do the bare minimum. He also creates them to, uh, to, to bring joy and to bring um, beauty into the world. He's provided for them by bringing rain and making soil in such a way that provides for them. He provides by creating seasons of warmer weather and sunshine. He provides by giving them, or humans, the abilities to garden and to nurture plants. His provision looks different at different times, and and it doesn't always feel like provisions. Rainstorms don't always feel nice, but they help flowers go or grow. Especially when it comes to money, he will provide for us, but not always in the way that we 
we would like or expect. In verse 33 says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows them all. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How do we understand the truths of verse 32 and 33 when we know that sometimes people don't have enough money to eat or to eat, drink, or wear clothes. Even flowers and birds sometimes are, die or are destroyed. There's a wider context in which the, these, this promise operates. Some, we live in a fallen world where if the effects of sin pervade every aspect of life. Sometimes the godly, through no fault of their own, um, get caught up in the consequences of sin and perish. Jesus did not... Um, elaborate this dimension of life here, but he assumed it as something his, the, his hearers would know and understand. Verse 33 tells us to seek first, or seek God's kingdom first, um, but we often seek to build our own kingdoms, uh, especially by getting enough money to feel secure. Did you know that uh, quite a few people have created their own countries that are called micro-nations, um, they aren't real, recognized nations. They, they sound absurd to us, but often we operate like we are our own little country, completely independent of people, and more importantly, independent of God. We try to build our own kingdoms with our own treasures, but God commands us to seek his kingdom and to know that he will provide for us. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, um, or about, or do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Verse 30, 34 has a lot of applications because we worry about a lot of things, but especially when it comes to money. So I want, I'm going to illustrate, the, I'm going to point to this uh, sentence twice because I really want to hammer this into your hearts. We think that a lot of money will get rid of a lot of our worries, but it usually just changes the things we worry about. We think that a lot of money will get rid of all of our worries, but it usually just changes the things we worry about. Because every day has its own troubles. Instead of placing our trust and confidence in financial security, no matter how much money we have, God commands us to trust him for our provision. So what is our life goal? Our ultimate goal should be to glorify God, not to rack up riches. We should, look, we should look at where our treasures are to see where our hearts are. And then where is our loyalties? Our loyalty cannot be divided. It needs to be focused on God. We should evaluate what we are focusing our eyes on because it shows where our loyalties are. And then lastly, who do you trust for your future? God commands us to seek his kingdom and his provision. So that is in conclusion my lesson. And so I'm going to end our time in, uh, in prayer. So please bow your heads with me. Lord, I just want to pray that you would help us to just see where our hearts are and where our eyes are. Lord, help us to fix, fixate them on you and not ourselves. Lord, would you help us to root out this, any desire for materialism or things that are of this world. Lord, we pray for you, for you to help us find the riches that are in heaven. Lord, would you help my brothers and sisters to, to really seek, 
to know who you are and to seek your kingdom first. Lord, lastly, we just pray for our country and, our, and, and in these times of worries and anxiety. Would you remind us that you have knitted us um, in the womb and, Lord, that you know what, what the outcome of, of the election, what the outcome of our grades are, what the outcome of our jobs are. Lord, would you help us and remind us that you are providing for us on a daily basis? Lord, I just pray tonight that the, my brothers and sisters here would be encouraged, would be challenged. And Lord, I just pray that they would retune their hearts to seek after you. We place this all on the altar for your sakes and for your kingdom. Amen. I can't, I can't stop this.